I'm taking Nick Chubb at number six, as you guys already say, stated. Nick's, uh, Nick Chubb's like a like he's Mr. Reliable over there at the Browns. He's guaranteed to get like that five yards of carry. If not, he'd probably break one off every game for a long touchdown. So he's gonna be the every down back up in um, Cleveland now. So is he the Chubb second? Back. Is he the second yeah. best running back in the AFC North behind Lamar Jackson? Uh, no, he's probably three or four. I got J.K. Dobbins above him too. <laughs> oh my. With Mark Davis, Chris Gemeinhart, Luke Rule, and Nick the Doc Skirkowitz. Hello and welcome to my Miami Heat have advanced to the NBA Finals episode of All About the Balls podcast. I'm your host, now looking like a peach, red in the sack house, Mark Davis, joined alongside my three great co-hosts, two of them who picked Boston. They can both suck a big fat dick because, like I said, Miami wiped Boston Celtics out of the NBA playoffs. That is Chris Kameinhart. That is Doc Skirk Wentz, and that is Luke Rule. Boys, boys, I hope you had a great Memorial Day weekend. Chris, how was Memorial Day weekend, my friend? It was great. Had a little crawfish boil, got a little drunk. It was a great Memorial Day weekend. Hell yeah, I know you like to suck those heads off those crawfish. Definitely done it with you a couple uh. times, and very interesting feeling doing that. They are baby cra- baby crabs, like Luke says, baby crabs. So Baby Doc, lobster. Baby lobster. Baby lobster, baby lobsters baby too. Lobster. But, Doc, how was that four-day weekend? Well, for you, a two-day weekend, two-week weekend, I guess. Yeah, I was about say. to say. How was that time off, Doc? Oh, fantastic. Uh, woke up this morning to shave the beard. That's always painful. I uh, hate doing that, but uh, otherwise, you know, good time. Good time uh, showing at home, getting the work done from the couch. Hell yeah. And Luke, I saw you were in Nashville yesterday with the missus. Looks like you had a good Memorial Day weekend. How was it, my friend? Uh, it was excellent. Hey, can't beat Broadway during the day. A little day drinking on Monday, nothing better. Yeah, we, I know you. Day drinking. I know you know about that day yeah. drinking. You took me out to Austin, Fort Worth, a couple times, and uh, definitely day drinking. You you know a little thing or two about. So, but boys, as you can hear, Memorial Day weekend started off a little slowish with sports. Got a little nervous that one of my teams was going to blow another big lead, but I forgot. Don't know why I was a little worried. I forgot we had playoff Jimmy and Big Dick Eric Spolster out there leading the charge. So hey, don't know why I was ever worried. My boys advanced to their second finals in the last four seasons. Boys had a great Memorial Day weekend with the daughter. Got to swim a couple times. So, like I said, let's start it off hot. Game seven, the Miami Heat just wally wop Boston Celtics. Destroyed them, boys. Now we're off to face the Denver Nuggets and Mile High on Thursday. But, yes, we did beat Boston 103-84. Just wiped them out. Chris, how's it feel to be wrong? You got half the finals right, but the more important was you got Boston wrong, my friend. Yeah, I mean, it hurts. Miami came out. They're playing with house money. They got it. I mean, applaud to them. But I also have text receipts from you saying you were losing that morning, so you didn't have faith. I know your butthole was puckered that game. So it wasn't. It wasn't. That I didn't have faith. It's called not jinxing myself, reversing the jinx that I've normally had in my life no, when it comes to no, celebrating said. a little prematurely, which I was doing when we were up three zero. I, re- I realized, hey, gotta say we're gonna lose, so we'll win. Reverse that curse that I've had my whole life, Doc. Fuck you. You chose Boston in six. How's it feel to be wrong, buddy? 
Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, like I've, like I've said from the start, don't really give a shit because it's the Charmin Basketball Association. But, uh, no, I definitely I definitely have some chats from you saying, my fucking team's going to blow it again. So that definitely happened. But uh, I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't be too excited on 35.5% shooting from the floor. Uh, you know, in game six, you guys uh, guys got eked out on that one. I wouldn't be too excited on how you guys won. I mean, you just you, – you shot less worse than Boston did. Let's let's put it there. But a win's a win. A win's a win, I'll give it to you. Uh, Jimmy Playoffs did come through on his three for 80 shooting in game in uh, game six there to try to get it back. Uh, they had the lead, you know, before that buzzer beater. So definitely an exciting game six. But uh, it was nice to actually see some defense for a change. That was That was different. Yeah, definitely interesting to see some defense. I don't think we'll get that much this series. Luke, how's it feel having one of your boys' teams in the finals, man? Honestly, don't give a fuck. Either way, I, I don't watch any oh, basketball. I haven't watched a single second of basketball this season, so it doesn't matter to me. This was the first two games that I watched in probably four or five years. Like, four Luke's, games. Luke's just the guy that hopes each team has fun. Yeah, hope, hope everybody gets a time. trophy. Luke's the guy rooting for the guys with the striped shirts. So that's that's who he <laughs> likes to see winning. He actually likes to see the crowd having a good time, so that's good. But, Doc, I know we talked off air, and I know I've said this to other people. I think Boston – by the way, shout-out to my boy Jules. I just want to say Celtics and nine, question mark. But shout-out to you. You're a loyal fan. Sorry, you guys suck as usual. But, Doc, to me it seems Boston, they're run by the players. I mean, a lot of times when they were down, it looked like Al Horford was the one in the, the, the huddle calling the plays, talking to the players. The coach was kind of on the sideline. Doing whatever the fuck he does, I, I have no idea. Well, he they've got shown, pissed. Yeah, they've shown that they've gone three, that they've gone deep runs with three different coaches. I really think it's a player-led team in Boston, not more of the coach. Do you think this coach be fired because watching his body language, listening to him on the sideline or in the press conference, literally they asked him after this game, should you kind of change it up after shooting all these threes? Literally says no, and they move on. Like he doesn't acknowledge that he's part of the reason why they lost the series, Doc. What does Boston need to do differently with this talent they have to maybe get a little farther and actually win a finals for once? Yeah, I think they've just got to start setting up and finding the open shot. I mean, both sides in that game, six and seven, again, those are the only two that I watch because I, I hate the NBA. Um, I mean, those games were entertaining, as, as dreadful as they were shooting. Uh, but Boston, I mean, just – and like I said, both sides. But Boston forcing up shots, um, not – trying to find the open man or, or generate movement and try to get something open, just forcing up shots, bricks. And I think that the, uh, the coaching ability was labeled perfectly from the responses in the, in the second half presser uh, coming out of halftime. Uh, you know, hey, uh, you know, you think we got to play Jason Tatum through the injury? Yeah, we have to. You know, you think we need to change anything? No. So, I mean, I, that, that was pretty evident of, of what the coaching was like throughout those two games that I watched. But, uh, I, yeah, th this this game took me back to uh, my University of Illinois fighting Illini in their national championship in 04, 05, or I think it was 06 maybe. Um, <clears throat> just lobbing up three after three, just rain man all day long and just, just bricking, bricking the house. Yeah, and Chris, that's what Charles Barkley said too. He says that a lot of these guys in the NBA, especially the Celtics, they think they're prime Steph Curry and prime Clay Thompson. Do you, do you agree with him? Do you think the NBA has gone a little too crazy with, you know, you have to live by the three or die by it? Like, you know, because basketball, like he said, it's built based on rebounding, based on getting uh, defensive stops, and literally based on ball movement. Do you agree with that philosophy with Charles Barkley, or do you think the NBA, they have to play the Steph Curry game? I don't think they have to play the Steph Curry game. I mean, I want to give it to Boston that they weren't rebounding the ball. 
I know they were rebounding a little bit good in the beginning of Game 7. I just really think that injury to Tatum hurt him. I mean, that was the opening series right there, and he goes down hard. I know he was trying to play it off, but I know that hurt. So I know that affected him, and their shooting was just dog shit. Yeah, I mean, I, I just don't know what to think. Like the original question I asked Doc, what to do with this the Celtics team? Because if you pay Jalen Brown the, the super max, which he's due after next year, you'd be paying him 50 million, 54, 58, 62, and 66. Can you pay both these guys who seem to just come up so small in the, the big moments? Jason Tatum to me, I, I call him an inconsistent superstar. So I don't know if he could really be classified as a superstar if you're that inconsistent. I've never seen a man so up and down that gets that superstar, that Kobe comparison. And it's just embarrassing the fact that he's even compared to Kobe Bryant because I, I'm telling you right now, Kobe would be laughing right now if he was alive listening to these comparisons because this man's nothing like Kobe Bryant. He wouldn't go down 3-0 to start off like that and literally not show up in game seven. I don't care if he's hurt or not. Kobe would have done more for his team in that situation. And that's why I'm not a big Tatum guy. I, I think he's a little overrated. And I think Jalen Brown's good, but once again, he's inconsistent too. He has a lot of careless turnovers and a lot of dumb, dumb basketball moves. But moving on, boys, we have the NBA Finals. And you guys know my brain, yes, will say go Denver Nuggets. If you ask me to put money on it, yes, I got Denver in five. But I'm going with my heart. My heart is all over right now. Fuck it. Why not us is my philosophy. We beat Milwaukee, who's the overall number one team in the whole NBA. We beat the Boston Celtics, who were the second best record in the NBA. Now we're going against the top dog, Western Conference champions, Joker, Jamal Murray, those boys from Denver. And you know what? The Lakers were literally in every single game. They were beatable. So I really think that this Denver Nuggets can be beat with the right coaching and the right style. I think Bam finally wakes the fuck up and he attacks nope. that paint like, like he does before. He had a rough second half of the series. But you know what? I think he's going to get back on track. I think Jimmy's going to be Jimmy and keep these undrafted players going. Chris, what is your, I got Heat and seven, by the way. Chris, who is your winner? How many games? And why is it that the outcome? I, I mean, I would disagree that the Lakers were in it every single game. They were definitely in it a couple games, but the Celtics definitely came, or the Denver Nuggets came up and just ground pounded them all in the paint. I'm going to go Denver and four, hot take right there. Also, side note, I don't know if you all saw, but the Denver Nuggets mascot gets paid $600,000 a year shoot me that application oh, i might just need to be a mascot in general i don't care what i don't care what sport it is that's how much you're getting paid and i think that you get paid more each round you get to by the way i think that's how it usually works for the the team members doc what's your projection projection buddy and why is that the reason uh i mean miami came out big win over over the celtics i don't want to take away from that but i don't think this is a miami team uh that can that can step up to the nuggets i think that uh the undrafteds had a had a great you know series uh great second half of the series especially but uh i just i don't see it bam is sleeping out there bam's lost doesn't know what he's doing uh jimmy if he can't get his shots together before the fourth quarter from the free throw line i mean miami's going to be in trouble early um the undrafted story is great but they're never the guys that get you all the way to the finish line uh martin and and the guys that it, it, it's just not going to carry him all the way through so I'm going. I'm going Nuggets in five. I think they play a more physical game, uh, better all around shooters, more consistent shooters. Um, and with Joker, I mean, I just I think Joker single handedly is going to be the reason. I actually took Joker fifty plus in any finals game. I, I put I put a buck on it. I mean, I really five thousand payout. I think if Joker literally wins this finals, I really we talked about. It. I think he's considered the best player in the NBA. I mean, why not? He's two time MVP. He'll have as many rings as Giannis. 
He's he's a beast. I mean, and a guy with our kind of well, actually, he's got a worse body than us, and he's just out and he's there. actually winning in the finals over LeBron. Like I mean, he also as lost, far as percentage. Also, well, I mean, yeah, but one and zero. Oh, it's like come on, that's a dumb. It's like saying I've had one batting, one bad appearance, and I one ball, and I have a thousand average. You're not a better hey, than that guy. Hey, you know okay, what I'm well, saying, Luke? Luke, just give me a winner. You don't have to say why. I know you don't watch the game. Who you got? Yeah, Denver and four. It's uh, too easy. Yeah, <laughs> Miami's not going to win shit. Just well, well explained. Right. Well explained. Hey, that's the best. I think it's the Love best the analysis death. we've had on the show. Literally this this whole time talking to any sports, Luke. We you guys stick around, dude, because you know how to cover everything but the NFL. So hey, we need hey, your hot takes. Short, out there. short, sweet to the point. That's all. That's all you got to do. Mark, hey, let's about short and sweet. And let's move on to this. Uh, let's keep a couple of headlines. NBA. Eric Lewis, longtime referee, is being investigated for having a burner account and defending himself and his referee buddies. I mean, I think it's a dumb rule. I mean, I understand it. Like, I understand why they have the rule, but you can't defend yourself in the public eye. That's that's kind of bullshit and kind of soft, in my opinion. No, that's bullshit. That's bullshit. They're not saying you can't defend yourself in the public eye. They're saying defend yourself in the public eye. Don't defend yourself behind a keyboard with some bullshit no, front. You can't defend yourself unless the NBA gives you permission to. So even if they got interviewed, like in on an actual camera, if, they, if the NBA doesn't give them permission, they can't answer that question. You can still get in trouble. So you can't talk about yourself to the public in any matter and manner whatsoever unless the NBA gives you that. That well, uh, then that shut your fucking mouth because you you make more money than I do to blow a whistle. So it's dumb. But Luke, you think you have a problem with any? It doesn't matter which referee. You think referees should be able to actually defend themselves in the public? Yeah, I, I feel like they should. Yeah. Oh shit, my dog's freaking out. <laughs> but no, I think I think referees should be able to defend themselves. I think it makes, makes it a lot more entertaining having a ref out there just fucking going back at the fans like, hey. I fucking made this call because I wanted to. That's why. Chris, you agree with Luke and me on this one? I mean, I we talk about it all the time in the fucking group chat. I think the NBA is rigged. I think most sports are rigged. I mean, it's all money-making. It's all entertainment. I mean, after watching the Netflix documentary about Tim, the ref that bet on all these games, and it just showed the inside of the NBA and how these refs work, I mean, it's hard it's just these guys have too much power on the field or on the court to have the outcome that they want to happen. Oh, man, I saw some soft fouls in those games in, uh, in game six and seven and some shit that should have been called that was just head-scratching why they didn't. Well, and that's the, yeah. that's the question, Doc. It was game six before the fourth quarter. They were allowing them to play aggressive and actually play the game without calling it. And then as soon as the fourth quarter came – I swear, like, it's not just because I'm a Miami fan, but they were calling – even the, the commentators like, and they're calling some ticky-tack fouls against Miami. Like, they had a hand on the back. and They were, yeah, at a bio, like, put a hand on the back, like, just brushed him. Just brushed him, and, and they threw one up at him. As Jason right. Tatum's grabbing his jersey to, to launch himself up, which is a, which is a penalty. So, I mean, I, I hate when reps do that. If you're going to be Gotta consistently the stars. inconsistent, I get that. If you're bad the whole game – and you just you're inconsistent. At least the NBA players, NFL players, MLB players, they know that. But if you're calling a game a specific three quarters of the way, and then you change it, that's the bullshit that I hate with the referees. It's just you can't flip it three quarters of the way and then be inconsistent if you've already been that consistent somewhere else. If you're gonna be bad, be bad the whole game, not just one part of the game. I think referees should have uh, mandatory press conferences after game, post game press conferences, so they can go over the calls in person to get questioned about it. Just like the players have to do when they play a fucking terrible game. Give it to the refs, too. Yeah, get out there. Well, what happened out there today, Eric? I was just dog shit, man. I just didn't have my stuff tonight. It just wasn't there. I tried I, to I put the my contacts in. Just... 
Yeah, I mean, we understand it, it is hard being a ref. I I will say that unless they came, unless they review every play, it is hard being a ref. I'm not going to say it's easy easy job for them, but you got to be better. You're prof- you're at the professional level. You're not calling little league games and Pop Warner and these youth games for basketball. This is this is professional ball. You have to be a little more accurate than just sub average, and that's the bullshit that. They, they get away with, especially the NFL. They're not full-time refs, so they can do whatever the fuck they want, it seems like. Well, that's right, where I think, that's where I think fully, it goes. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, you go ahead. Uh, that's what I think. That's what I think. Chris hit it on the head with with the refs having control and possible. You know, I mean, there, there's too many times where you look at a game uh, and the odds just don't make sense, or how they put the spread, the over under, whatever, uh, and it comes down to the wire, and all of a sudden some bullshit happens. It gets it through, and it's like it makes you wonder: oh, yeah. the refs got control on it? Are they are they helping Vegas? I mean, did the ref? I mean, did the ref have money on that Saints Rams game? I mean, I know it's a sore subject for Chris, but. I mean that's a blatant pass interference there. Like, and I mean I hate the Saints, but I'm I'm throwing my flag for them. Like that's just the way that it goes. You blew up a guy instead of going for that easy pick six, and you just I mean you cost the chance of the Saints winning. We don't know what would have happened later on, um, but yeah, it's just I, there's some plays you just scratch your head. I can understand missing calls from time to time. I mean you can't see every little thing, but some some of these plays it's just so blatant obvious. I mean not everyone's you, Doc. You're the one and only. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm the exception. Out there, dude. Yeah, I did it. It's been great. It's hard to be I'm great. fully, I'm fully behind finding these refs. I mean, great example, Mark. Like you said, that 2017 game with the Saints and the Rams, big money on the line. The ref was literally staring at the play happening, and the Rams player just laid out the receiver with the ball nowhere near him. So, I mean, if they're missing these calls, then fucking find them. I mean, we're finding the players. So yeah. why can't we find? Yeah, but you got to you got to scale it down for for their pay. And I agree. I, I mean, you down. look at yeah, you look at the Mississippi State uh, umpire that was calling that Mississippi State baseball game where the the batter got upset and drew the line on the umpire to show him where it was at, and uh, that that egregious egregious strike three call to end the game that was about six feet outside and in the dirt. Uh, I mean, they they took care yeah, of him. Yeah, you know, the, the SEC took care of him, but. Uh, you know, across the board, that's got to happen. I think that if calls are missed to a certain extent, if they're that bad, not even on purpose, like yeah, it's got to be a fine. Let them, let them fucking chalk it up. It's like a tip at the. It's like a tip at the restaurant, right? You put twenty singles down, and every time they fuck up or bring you a dirty cup, you pull a dollar back. You know what I'm saying? Put that shit on a fishing line and let them go for it. And then Man. when they bring out your fucking your chicken nuggies and they're too cold, yoink! Taking that one back. Well- before we move on, I only put five on the table. I don't start that high at 20. My wallet's not that deep like you, Doc. So moving on to someone that's got deep pockets, Bob Myers, the architect of the Golden State Warriors, literally built the dynasty from the ground up. I'll give him all the credit. I mean, they, he was part of that building with the, the core through the head. They also got Kevin Durant, also one without yeah, Kevin Durant. Built, built it up from the ground with Kevin Durant. Well, they did. They won a title before Kevin Durant. I know. Him. I'm fucking yeah. with you. So, Doc, though, I know we talked about it. Is, uh, we asked that when the Warriors lost to the Lakers. Is this the end of the dynasty? They have some contracts that are coming up, some decisions to be made. We also don't know who the president and the GM is going to be. Do you think this is it for the Warriors? No, I don't think so. I mean, we saw it kind of a couple of years ago and they were battling some injuries and some roster problems, and they just tanked and, and fucking sacked it for, for, the, for uh, you know, a top pick in the draft to start that, you know, get that depth again. Uh, honestly, this is a team, because of the ability that, that Clay and Steph bring to this team, 
you keep them fat and happy and paid. And I mean, there's this is a different NBA than it was many, many years ago. It's not one team having a super three. It's not a couple of, you know, it's not a superstar on multiple teams. This is now teams in, of superstars, you know, top to bottom in the starting five. So there's plenty of depth uh, in the NBA, guys that will be looking for money. The, the NBA can't afford to pay everybody max contracts. So you find the guy that you can afford and under the right coaching which we see in, in Golden State versus in Boston, you know, the right coaching and you get the right game plan and you can make you can make little guys into superstars. Yeah, I agree with you, Doc. I mean, it's it seems like this NBA playing field's leveled back out. Chris, do you think that this this dynasty that we've seen since pretty much 2014, 2015 timeframe, is it time for them to start slowing down and packing up their bags and going somewhere else if they're aging, aging bodies? I mean, we might see the effect of it next year and maybe the following year, but I completely agree with Doc. I think they're going to just stay in it. I mean, with Steph and them, you don't even need a coach with them. They're going to hold it down. You just need those supporting players that you can pay the league minimum on and help That's them. the problem with me. Bob Myers is leaving this team when they just paid Jordan Poole too much money. Clay's in a situation where he's starting to show a little bit of or a little bit of I mean, fatigue, and he's not the same Clay he once was before the injury, and, and Draymond's not that Draymond anymore. So they are in a situation where he, you know, he gave him these contracts, and he says, "Deuces, boys, uh, I'm gonna be on the team in a couple of years, probably, and I'll build a new dynasty somewhere else." And I mean, that's part of the game, but I mean, you just literally saw them get manhandled by the Lakers, and then you said, "Deuces, I'm done, boys," and moving on. Just a quick little nugget: the Sixers and the Bucks did hire new coaches. The Sixers hired. Former NBA champion Nick Nurse, the former Raptors coach who got fired this year, and the Milwaukee Bucks hired Adrian Griffin, a Raptors assistant that Giannis pushed for. So both their teams that are playoff teams, and Bucks are literally one of the better teams in the league, found their new coach. So let's move on. Boys, I don't know if you all know this. Luke, I don't know if you saw Pat McAfee show. I know you watch it like me. Boston Connor revealed it today. We are 100 days away from the NFL season as the Detroit Lions will visit Kansas City to visit the reigning, defending Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs. And speaking of those two teams, you have Jameer Gibbs, you have David Montgomery, you have Isaiah Pacheco. Those are three running backs. The question is, is do any of those three running backs make our top 10 fantasy running backs that we have? And I don't know about you guys. They might make mine. It's a little hot take. Doc, Chris started last time. So before we start with you, the top 10 that ESPN has, which is what we're using, Austin Eckler, Chris McCaffrey, B. John Robinson, the first-round rookie running back from Atlanta, Jonathan Taylor, Saquon Barkley, Derrick Henry, Josh Jacobs, Nick Chubb, Tony Pollard, and Travis Etienne Jr. are this year's top 10 pre-draft rankings for a redraft league. Doc, who do you got with your number 10 running back? Number 10 for me, I'm going uh, I'm going Joe Mixon out of Cincinnati. I thought what he brought to the game last year was phenomenal. Um Mind you, the numbers were a little skewed from a big five touchdown. What was it, four or five touchdown game that he had last year? Um, but I still like what the guy brings to the table. I think it works well with the offense. Joe Burrow is not a has not been a you know five thousand yard passer, so um, still leaves a lot of room for him to move the ball. Uh, but he makes things happen when the ball's in his hands. So, yeah, I mean, I think me and Chris and Luke we've agreed on that one. And also, they they did with or they drafted your boy Chase Brown at Illinois, who was one of the top running backs in college last year. So. I think it's yes, definitely sir. they're going to start they're going to start easing him in slowly. I don't know right away, maybe from the jump. He might get the Kenneth Walker effect maybe a little earlier. Luke, what you got with your number ten pick? So for number ten, I had the Brees uh, Hall from the Jets. So he last year rookie year, he was on pace probably be rookie of the year before towards ACL. I think he comes back hot start again, 
should be fully recovered by week one. So I think I have him at number 10. So you're saying you have the number one pick in our league. You're not drafting Brees Hall number one? Uh, hey, you never know what's going to happen. It's possible. Chris, you have it. Anything's it's possible. possible. Chris, you have it 10. I have uh, Tony Pollard over at Dallas. The backfield is now him, wide open. He can take the reins from Zeke. I mean, he had 91 rushing grade across the two years, which ranks fourth in the NFL. He also had the highest yards per carry with 5.3 yards and the second highest yards after tackle with 3.7. So, I mean, I think he's going to put on a show in Dallas. Luke, do you kind of uh, get that feeling? I know we talked about him last year. Do you think Deuce Vaughn can you maybe get some of those third-down looks and take some of that spotlight from Tony Pollard who's coming back from an injury? Oh, yeah, I think Deuce Vaughn, like, he was a beast at Kansas State. So he's got a good chance to get some good like third-down running back reps in, a little pass catcher out of the backfield. And he's small enough he can hide behind this big offensive lineman that Dallas has as well. Doc, you like Tony Pollard, though? You think he's going to bounce back from the injury pretty fairly this well, or do you think he's going to start a little slow? Uh, I mean, it might be a little tender coming back just to ease him back in and make sure that the workload's not too much and put him right back where he landed. But uh, I think if, if if you're talking a game, maybe to it at the absolute most before he's back in the saddle and he's he's kicking ass out there in that Dallas backfield. Yeah, uh, Chris, I, I unfortunately don't have Tony Pollard in my top ten just because I think I do think Deuce Vaughn's going to get some looks. I'm not sure about that injury, and that's why I had Brees Halt number ten as well with Luke. I think they're going to ease Brees Hall into that that lineup. I mean, he's going to start, but I think they're going to ease him in there, not give him all the looks right away. I know they have Aaron Rodgers coming there. They still got Michael Carter, so they have a good one-two punch. I do think, though, when the second half of the season comes around, he's going to start to turn around. He's going to get that, that peak up a little bit, and he's going to start getting good again. And I think he's going to take that 10th fancy spot this year. Doc, who's your ninth quarter, uh, running back? Ninth, I actually went with Tony Pollard uh, because, like I said, I think it's going to be a quick bounce back coming back off that injury. Uh, I don't think it's going to be too bad. And then, uh, you know, like the boy said, it, it's, you know, he's got the open backfield now. Zeke's gone. The cancer's gone. Uh, you know, ever since he got that contract, he's just kind of been a a crutch on uh, on Dallas. He just he hasn't been putting up the numbers. He hasn't been doing the work. And now that he's out of the way, opens up the lane for Tony Pollard. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, that's definitely a good take there. I think that it is his contract year. He's playing on a tag. So, I mean, he's definitely going to be out there to prove something. And we know Dak's going down in, like, week six. Here, here we go. Luke, who you got number nine, buddy? So, number nine for me is going to be uh, B. John Robinson, rookie running back out of Texas for the Atlanta Falcons now. Uh, Damn. Dude, dude is stud out of Texas. So, And Falcons have no passing game. Uh, Ritter's terrible. So, I think B. John Robinson's going to have an open backfield to just take it over the reins. They might just Chris, try and give Cordero a shot back there in the in the quarterback position. They Chris, could. what's up with these? What's up with these guys not in the NFC South? They're just dog shit in our uh, division, man. It's getting annoying, isn't it? Because you're worse than the NFC North, and that's hard to do. <laughs> Chris, you have at number nine, buddy. Have the Bears won a playoff game yet since this decade? Wait, why you gotta uh, well, why you gotta get personal? Oh, uh, okay. I didn't say so, shit. Uh, oh yeah, wait, you're you're in that division too, my bad. Yeah. Uh so number nine, I'm going with with Luke here, Bijan Robinson. This is just a hard one to place. I think he's gonna be somewhere up here in the top ten or maybe fifteen. But I mean he was the number one running back coming out of the draft in college. He had a forty percent broken tackle rate. He kind of looks like the knockoff AK, so we'll see. Yeah. Uh, I want to say about that. We know the man doesn't have to transfer to get playing time. So, um, but with my number nine, I got Travis Etienne Jr. 
I think that he's going to be a stud this year. Another year with uh, Doug Peterson out there. He's a year healthier now. Obviously, he came off that injury last year, and we saw what he was doing. He, ha- I think they're going to start not stacking the box as much now because they have Trevor Lawrence. And like Luke said last uh, episode, they have a little bit more weapons out there in Duval County. So that definitely opens the box there for Travis Etienne, who's also a passing threat as well to catch the ball out of the backfield. He's, in my opinion, a three-down back, and I think he's going to get a lot, a lot of playing time this year. I think Duval County's got something brewing up there with Trevor Lawrence, Calvin Ridley, and uh, Travis Etienne Jr., boys. Doc, number eight for you, buddy. Number eight, Owen, and I kind of feel bad having him this down low. Um, I'm not super thrilled with my top ten over a couple of reasons, but I'm going Nick Chubb here. Nick, the big dick swinging energy Chubb. Um, always an absolute animal. I had a lot of concerns uh, when they picked out uh, picked up the NFL's best kicker in the game in Kareem Hunt. Um, but uh, after you know seeing what he's still been able to do with sharing the touches with with uh, with Hunt, the guy still puts on an absolute show. I mean, it's almost it's almost like every game you can expect 200 yards on just 10 touches. Doc, I think the theme of your top 10 so far, because you said off air, is that you're not confident with your top 10. So if anyone's listening, maybe not best listening to Doc's top 10. He's not confident in everyone. No, I'm confident most. There's a couple, there's a couple for injury reasons that I'm not that I'm not con- that I'm not sure I want to go with. Luke, who's your number eight, buddy? So for number eight, I got uh, Travis Etienne Jr. from the Jags. Dude, like, every down back, he's gonna be seeing a lot of touches. Only concern with him is probably injury concerns. He got a little banged up last season, out a few games. But uh, I like Travis Etienne. Dude's a stud. His brother's a stud down in Florida, too. So we'll see what he does. Chris, are you rocking the Duval County train with me and Luke, or you got something different? No, I got something different here. I got Ramondre Stevenson. He was a running back 13 in week 5 to 16 when Damian Harris was either out or only 100% finished or playing. The I mean, he finished – third in route participation as a running back and targets him on running backs. He was in route to finish his running back 10, and that was not fueled by touchdowns. This man was the worst running back converting a touchdown within the 10-yard line. So, I mean, I think if he gets those touchdowns in, that man's going to skyrocket. Yeah, I mean, in ESPN last year, he was number seven when it finished. So, like you said, if he's not if he's top 10 without touchdowns, just wait till he starts gathering those touchdowns. Um my number seven or my number eight is Nick Chubb. I agree with Doc on that one. I think he started off so hot last year, and then when Deshaun Watson finally came back, who they paid mm-hmm. all that money, it's obviously going to take away some of that that running back production because you're going to use the quarterback you paid all that money guaranteed to. And I think that maybe this year Kevin Spansky can actually start using Nick Chubb because he is a he's a running coach. He knows how to get running backs involved. He had a hell of a running game in Minnesota. He obviously had Cream Hunt and Nick Chubb. Cream Hunt's gone. So they still have Ernest Deonis Johnson, Deonis Johnson, whatever his name is out there. But it's definitely Nick Chubb's backfield. He doesn't like to share much playing time. I think now maybe Deshaun Watson and him can get on the same chemistry. Now you have a year together, a whole train together. I think he can still get that top 10 spot. So, Doc, I like that take you had and, too. And you cannot waste you cannot waste a guy like Nick Chubb, a natural talent. Uh, not a guy that comes in is good for a couple of years and falls off, but a true natural talent that's going to be good for a long time. You cannot waste that in the backfield just because. Because I know the same thing. The points fell off and the touches, the the the, the involvement fell off with uh, Watson coming back. You got to find a way to keep him in the mix. He's too good. Yes, because if you keep if that's, that's the key to running backs in this league is especially. If, I mean, it doesn't matter if it's one or two good, a committee by backfield. 
you have to have that running game so that it makes them stack the Open box up. a little bit. Yep. Yeah. So, and we'll break down what our takes on running backs is after the the how important they are in fantasy too. Luke, who do you got at number eight? Or, I'm sorry, number seven. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, you're yeah, gonna ask me. Yeah, sorry, goddamn, Doc, you don't Doc, ask yeah, me. Doc, Doc, you're talking Damn. about number seven for you, Doc. Number seven for me. I'm going the man, Derrick Henry, out of uh, Tennessee. I mean, the numbers speak for themselves. Uh, you know, a little bit of injury concern as of late, but uh, I think he's going to come back strong. And with Tannehill still manning the helm back there, I think it's still going to be a uh, a run heavy off uh, offense in the backfield. Yeah, I think I think we can all agree, Chris. You kind of agree with that too. Derrick Henry is still going to be like that guy that's just that carries the team no matter what. I mean, honestly, I have Derrick Henry out of my top 10. Barely, though, that offense is absolute trash. We don't know who's that quarterback. Is it going to be Will Levis? Is it going to be Ryan Tannehill? It don't He's matter. We're talking game. running backs. A quarterback don't affect shit. Whether hey, it's Will Levis does. or not, it's a rookie pass, and he's still going to get his touches. A, qu- a quarterback does matter, and I'll give you an example. When we hit my running back at number seven, but that offense is garbage right now, and he's old. Luke. Break the, break the ice right here. Who's your seventh running back? So number seven for me is be, uh, Tony Pollard out of Dallas. I think he's be three down back for the majority of the time. Uh, Deuce Vaughn, I don't know if he's going to be able to play at the NFL level just yet. He's very small. Uh, he's, Deuce Vaughn's best thing is he's small and he can get behind linemen, but I don't know how it's going to convert to when he's playing against NFL players. So I think Tony Pollard's proven, even with Zeke there, that he can still be the star of the show in Dallas. I mean, there's been some good short running backs. I know we had Darren Sproles, former Saint, former Eagle, former Charger. Um, yeah, they, they don't all work out. So yeah, they, they don't. I, I'm a big, I'm a big Deuce Vaughn fan. So I, I'd like to see him do well. It's kind of cool. His dad drafted him in Dallas. So oh, definitely cool. a good story out of the, out cool, of the draft. Cool story out of Dallas, but we'll see. I, I like Tony Pollard though. Every down back, reliable. Some minor injury concerns for him, but I like him. Chris, I know you were a little heated there with Doc. Who's that seventh running back for you? Number seven, I have Nick Chubb. I mean, this man had five yards per carry, 16.6 points per game. He also had 64% backfield opportunity. That's only going to go up without with Kareem Hunt leaving. And then a little fact here, because quarterbacks don't matter for running backs. From week one to 12, before Watson got on the field, Chubb was running back four. When Watson got on the field, week 13 through 17, Nick Chubb was running back 33. So tell me that a quarterback doesn't matter. Buddy, there is a difference between fucking Deshaun Watson and Ryan Tannehill. And what's Will the difference is not going to bring enough of an arm to limit Derrick Henry in the backfield. Well, you also got to look at the time of the year, too. Is the Browns were out of the playoffs pretty much, and they were just trying to get Watson back into the, that playing time, get that rust off. So maybe now this will change a little bit with that. Now that Watson got some of that playing time back, and maybe the Cleveland Browns are actually be good this year, which I think they will be more competitive. Maybe now they start to incorporate both. Uh, I do think Derrick Henry, though, Chris, is going to still be the bulk of that offense. I mean, as long as the line can – that's the only problem to me is the O-line. We don't know what they're going to be to block for Derrick Henry. But a quarterback does matter, though, Doc, unfortunately. But, no, okay, okay, let, me rephrase, let me rephrase. A quarterback, a quarterback matters with the, with the right talent and package going, going in there. But – Tennessee ain't got a quarterback that's going to make a difference on it. Exactly. So if Tennessee doesn't have a quarterback to make a difference, they have no wide receivers, they have no offense, they know that Derrick Henry is their offense, what are they going to do? They're going to load the box. They're going and to fucking send everybody. The They've been the doing that for years. 
The man's old. He's not going to find a hole. They've been doing it for years, but they had A.J. Brown. Look what happened when they traded him. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think – I think I honestly Derek think Henry's going to find an injury again this year anyways. Well you, well, you said what happens when they traded him. Last year, Derek Henry was running back four without A.J. Brown and without Ryan Tannehill half the year, it seemed like, with Malik Willis. I don't know. I think I think he's going to take a little fall this year. He's old. I mean, he, that offense I, I is trash. Oh, they, seven is a fall. Seven is definitely a fall from grace from where he's usually at. And number seven for me, boys, is B. John Robinson, my – Texas Longhorn and now Atlanta Falcon running back got blessings on both my teams. I, I do kind of understand the situation. I don't know where to rank him. Like Chris said, it's a hard spot for him. I do think, which I was telling Luke before we got on, Tyler Algier was a thousand yard rusher last year in his rookie season out of BYU. So it's not like the kid can't play. I do think that our coach, Arthur Davis, is a good running back coach. He definitely worked that with Derrick Henry. He's had good success with Atlanta with the running backs that we've had with Cordell Patterson actually making him look like a running back instead of a wide receiver. I just don't know how much of the full looks that B. John Robinson's going to get. I know people project him to get that looks because he's a first-round running back, the seventh overall pick, but you can't sleep on Algier as well, and that's the problem is we have two good running backs, so how much can you just feed Bijan, who is a three-down back, but you can't just not include the other running back because this league is built by the committee. Doc, who's your number six running back? Uh, number six for me, I am coming out of Las Vegas with Josh Jacobs, just an absolute stud, monster in the backfield. Uh, I think he was number one overall in fantasy points or points per game or something last year. Number number three last year. Number three? Okay. I know he put up beast numbers last year, uh, just an all-around stud, and uh, bringing in Derek Carr, you know, 2.5 out there in Vegas, it's going to fit right into the scheme that they've been running. Um, actually, I think Garoppolo is a huge step down from Derek Carr, if I can be fair. But um, I think Josh is, is still going to get his touches and get his get his paycheck. There's a chance that Jimmy G might not even be on the team. If he can't pass his physical, they can waive him, and it uh, won't cost him anything. Luke, who do you got number six? That's going to suck not taking advantage in the draft. So I'm taking Nick Chubb at number six, as you guys already say, stated. Nick, Nick Chubb's like a – like he's Mr. Reliable over there at the Browns. He's guaranteed to get like that five yards of carry. If not, he'd probably break one off every game for a long touchdown. So he's gonna be the ever down back up in um, Cleveland now. So is like, he the second? Back. Is he the second yeah. best running back in the AFC North behind Lamar Jackson? Uh, no, he's probably three or four. I got J.K. Dobbins above him too. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> oh yeah! Stop the cap! Stop! <laughs> Draft JK number one. That's what Luke's doing. But Chris, you do like got number you got number six, Chris. I mean, I'm gonna agree with Doc here. I got Josh Jacobs. I mean, he was a bell cow for the Raiders last season. He averaged 19.3 points per game. He led the NFL in touches through 17 weeks. The only thing, the offense is a mess. Is Jimmy G gonna be their quarterback? It just we don't know. And then, I mean, he was also a top 20 running back his whole four year career. So I have Josh Jacobs stepping up again. Yeah, definitely. He's playing on another contract year. He got tagged after they declined his fifth-year option the year before that. So he's definitely playing for that contract. You know, running backs like to ball out um, in that contract year. But my number six is definitely a hot take. ESPN doesn't even have – I think ESPN has like number 17 or something. I'm going Kenneth Walker the third, out of Seattle at number six. I think after his rookie season – I know they drafted a couple of rookie running backs. That man with that three receiver they have out there – He's going to get a lot of looks out of the backfield. If they start to realize he can catch out of the backfield as well, I mean, I'm telling you right now, Kenneth Walker in the first round, 
I mean, I think I get him in the second round with number 12, number one pick, and I think it'll be a steal for me. But uh, I do think Kenneth Walker is going to be a top 10 quarterback. Luke, who's your Running fifth? Back. I'm sorry, Chris. What a, what a quarterback. Just slinging it what out there in the backfield. Yeah, my bad. This isn't Lamar Jackson. <laughs> Look at the arm on this I'm all, guy. I'm all mixed up, dude, talking about running backs as a quarterback and all that shit. Doc, could you have with your fifth running back? Number five, this is where I kind of get worried with five and four uh, because of the injuries. Uh, number five, I'm going to go Saquon Barkley because of dual threat running back. Uh, he can hit it from both angles uh, for the Giants. But, again, the injury uh, bug has been getting them the last couple of years, so I, I got some concerns there. But uh, I'm going Saquon. Yeah, I know Chris had an issue with Saquon, I think his second season in the league when he drafted him. He still got to the championship and won. Luke, who do you have at the sit or your fifth running back? So number five is be uh, Jonathan Taylor for me. So he had a monster uh, rookie year, then went to that sophomore slump. I think he brings it back with uh, Anthony Richardson this year. Yeah, I mean, I I actually don't have JT in the in the top ten at all. That's that's definitely a hot take for me compared to a lot of people saying he's going to bounce back. Chris, are you a JT believer here, or do you have someone else? I got somebody else here, Mark. I mean, I don't know if you're in the desert with me or what with these hot takes, but I got Kenneth Walker as well right here. I mean, he was a running back eight after week six through 17 when Rashad Penny went out. He averaged 16.4 fantasy points per game. He also had 70% plus snaps carrying the ball 23 times per game. So, I mean, I think he's going to have a monster sophomore season. I have Kenneth Walker easily in my top 10. Man, I'm just telling you, it's good when we someone on the show agrees with me. I'm telling you, I'm a big Kenneth Walker fan. I'm a little biased because like I said I had him last year. He helped me get to the championship. I think he started to fall off a little bit because Seattle started getting pass heavy, and that was what kind of, my opinion, took them out of some games. They were just relying so much on Geno and not letting the overall team aspect of the game get to them. But I'm going to go with what some of you guys were saying. I'm going to go Josh Jacobs at five. I definitely think no matter who the quarterback is, he's going to be heavily involved. I think Vegas – and Josh McDaniels realized how important he is to that team. He's still fairly young, really hasn't had a lot of wear and tear on his body. Um, he's playing for that contract. He's in a big contract year. So, like I said, I'm big on contract years. I made that mistake a couple of years ago. I remember with Chris, we did that with AK. I passed on AK. I had a chance to go for him, and he fucking broke off. And ever since then, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a true believer. Contract years are important. I'm going Josh Jacobs at five. Doc, top four. Do you got number four, buddy? Number four, this is where I am coming in with the indie stud, Jonathan Taylor. Um, like it was mentioned earlier, you know, the sophomore season was a concern. He did miss over a third of the season uh, playing in only 11 games. So obviously that drives the numbers down. Still, the numbers that he had in the games that he played weren't impressive. But let's be real. Indy was lost in, in every form last season Indy just was just looked like an absolute nightmare so I think that everything was just kind of thrown around and nobody really knew what the hell was going on and I'm hoping this year you know they come back in with a little more discipline a little more structure in that offense and uh, hopefully we see some results out of JT this year yeah I mean he's definitely trying to bounce back he said he has shit year he only had a couple of good games and I traded him so I was happy to get rid of him last year Luke who do you have at number four so no big surprise here. I'm going Josh Jacobs. Contract year for him. He is going to be the Raiders offense this year. Don't know if Jimmy G is going to be a quarterback or whatnot, but they also have, like, Josh Jacobs, like, balled out last year. He's going to ball out again this year. Yeah, I think the consensus is Josh Jacobs is going to have another good year. I think Vegas slept on that last year going into the, the his last year. Played him in the fucking all, uh, the Hall of Fame game, which is you don't play your, your good players in that game. So 
they had him play that game, and I guess it worked out for Josh Jacobs in the long run. Chris, who's your fourth running back? I got Saquon here. I mean, he finished running back six on Fantasy Pros. He got the second overall touches with 352. His backfield opportunity share was at 80% right right behind Josh Jacobs. So, I mean, Saquon's going to get that bulk. So, I mean, I think Saquon's going to surprise us. Yeah, I, I think I think he definitely, uh, you know, definitely avenged himself there after you know those injury years. I think people start to trust him again now coming into the season. But Chris, I'm going with a guy that you says is going to start to slow his show his age, and that's Derrick Henry. I'm going King Henry. He's still the king in my opinion. He's still one of the best pure running backs without catching the ball. And honestly, if he, when he gets those screens, he actually gets some yards. So maybe they'll throw him some screens out there and let him actually move the move the ball as a big boy down the field. You know, he looks. So slow, but he moves so effortlessly out of the backfield. And I think Derek Henry's still going to have a monster year. Luke, I'm sorry, Doc, who do you have at your top three and number three for running backs? Number three, I think I'm the only one to not list him yet. Um, I am going B. John Robinson out of Alabama. Um, Tyler Algier, like you said, a, a great running back, did well for the for the Falcons last year, but I think the talent this guy brings in, they did not draft B. John Robinson to be a backup running back. Um, this guy is way too good, way too strong, way too fast. Um, my only concern is if the Falcons are smart enough to start him outright or, you know, week two, week three. When they when they finally put him in the starting lineup, um, that's my only concern. You know, I said I had some concerns on my top ten. This is one of those, uh, just in terms of when they finally give him the green light. But once they do, this guy is going to be an absolute stud. And 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 in, in a Falcons offense that, you know, like like Luke said earlier, has no passing game whatsoever. Um, you know, what else you got? You got him and Cordero Patterson, and that's it. And and yeah, I, was, and I, I mean, here. we'll see. We'll see what he can do. Like I said, his stats were his first four games were the same stats as Matt Ryan. We ended up having a good Hall of Fame potential career with the stats wise. Luke, who do you have at number three? So I got King Henry down here at number three. You know, living it down here in the Nashville area. So I want to see him do well. Go watch him play in person. Uh, that that offense is going to run through Derrick Henry. He's going to be the wrecking ball of that offense. He always finds a way to wear our defense throughout a game and break off some long touchdown runs. Dude's big, strong, fast, probably the biggest dude usually on the field and super athletic. So I think the Tennessee Titans will be riding Derrick Henry like a horse this year. Yeah, I mean, Luke, do you remember that playoff game where Derrick Henry just bullied your Baltimore Ravens? Yeah, he, he had a he had pretty good game that game. So I think he's still got that, uh, that mentality in him. Plus, we don't know who's starting quarterback. They have no receivers. They're going to have to run the ball. Yeah. Definitely agree with you there, Luke. And that's why we think Chris is going to be dead wrong with this hot take he had. That's why it's a hot take, though. It ain't cold take. It's a hot take. So, can't always be right on those. Chris, who's your third running back? I got Austin Eckler. Man's a fucking red zone machine. He had 18 touchdowns in the red zone. Five of them receiving, 13 of them rushing. I mean, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, both of them combined 13 missed games. Until that receiving core can prove to me that they can stay healthy, I think this offense is going to run through Austin Eckler in the red zone, and he's going to get those touchdowns to get them up there. Man, I'm interested to see your top two is because I'm looking at all the lists I wrote down, and, uh, man, he's out of your top two. That's definitely – you saw, You have someone in your top two that's definitely brewing right there. I want to – can't wait to get to that, but – my number three is Saquon Barkley. I think he shows that he, he's back. Brian Dayball is a hell of a coach. He knows how to get him and Danny Dimes going in the fantasy game. And I think that 
Saquon, yes, he kind of slowed down a little bit, but I think he's going to get more runs. He's going to stay more productive with that offensive game plan they have out there in New York. Doc, number two for you. Number two, I'm going with uh, what what uh, Chris had for number three. I'm going Austin Eckler, um, a dual threat guy in the backfield. I mean, the rushing numbers were not superb by any means. The touchdowns were, uh, but the yardage was not. But you cannot argue with 107 receptions and 722 receiving yards for a running back. That was more than I think all the Bears receivers had last year uh, individually, probably even combined, if I can be real with you. Um, the last two years combined. Yeah, probably the last two years. So I don't even think we had a guy over 700 yards last year in the receiving core. So, um, ha, shit, I'd take him every day of the week. Little kitty of it too, buddy. So surprise, surprise. Uh, I'm going to go with Doc on number two. I got Austin Eckler. Hey, no Saquon Barkley in my top ten. So I take. I don't think he – he might not have played the beginning of the season. looks like he's holding out for a contract. He still hasn't signed his franchise tag. That is but, true. Yeah. And they yeah, just offered him less uh, after after uh, coming out. So, so we'll see if he even starts starts this year. So I have him out of my top ten. But also Eckler, dude's a stud, touchdown machine. He he was the Chargers' offense last year. I think he maybe takes a little downtick, but he's still gonna be that that uh, touchdown machine for the Chargers. Chris, who's that surprise at number two? So number two, I'm gonna go with Taysom Hill. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> No. no, I'm going to fucking – I'm hopping on the train one more time. I'm going Jonathan Taylor. He's going to have a comeback this year. I mean, he did underperform last year, 12.6 points per game. He's going to have a bounce back. Like Doc said, the Colts organization was just dog shit. They didn't know what was happening. He did have – he was a top eight running back with usage, and he had fourth in touches per game. When he did return from his injury week 10 through 13, he was running back three. So he had it in him. I think it's going to be a healthy year for him. I think he's bouncing back year three. He's going to be the, he's going to be the second running back. Yeah. I, I just, I, maybe I'm a little hurt because uh, I was taught to draft him last year. Did it anyways. Didn't go ballsy and draft Christian who I wanted to go. Um, but number two for me, I'm going Austin Eckler. Like everything you guys have said, the man's a beast. He's once again playing for a contract too. So, and it doesn't seem like he has much wear and tear on his body. Uh, he didn't start off as a starter right away, so he still has some more years uh, after this year to still produce and ball out. So I'm going Austin Eckler number two. And I think it's pretty safe to say, number one, we all have the same guy. So with that being said, I think this will be Luke's first pick, boys, in our draft. He's done it before. It's Chris McCaffrey, number one, for all of us. If anyone's got any disagreements, say something now, because I don't think anyone's got CMC outside number one going into this year. He's in the right system, boys. Kyle Shane has to play those running backs, and he's going to keep them healthy. If you are uh, – you're muted, Luke. For once, it's not me, and that's a nice feeling. <laughs> uh, if you are listening to this and you need an explanation as to why CMC is number one, you're, you've got no business in fantasy football. Don't even ask me. I'm not going to waste my time explaining it to you. The guy's a stud, uh, you know, and that, that's all there is to it. Yeah, check it out. CMC is Mr. Do It all over the 49ers. He can throw the ball, run the ball, catch the ball. I mean, he did all the same thing in one game. First 49ers player to do that in how long? One of his first games, right? He, like, threw a touchdown, right? I think it was, like, his second game over there. He had a receiving, a rushing, and throwing touchdown. His second game in San Fran, he had 40-plus points in fantasy. Yeah. Yeah, the man's a beast, and I and I'm sorry, Luke. I know you you're gonna hold off, but you are drafted Chris McCaffrey, and and I don't blame you. I mean, that's just what it is. That's the way. I don't know. I'm thinking, 
thing about a receiver at number one. So we'll see. And, 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 and I'm that's thinking about a kicker. In. No, and speaking of that, that that's hey, a legitimate Jeff. question. That's a legitimate question. Is I've been listening to some of these fantasy shows. Speaking of strategies, is we know in the past in the redraft leagues, running backs are so so important. But it does seem like these wide receivers are starting to become more important because running backs are starting to become more a committee. So it's hard to find out who that running back is. They're also the shelf of that year is a little more shaky. Chris, do you see outside the top, the first pick with Christian McCaffrey? Well, someone's who we think is going to be. Luke can play hardball he wants to. It, it's dumb not to choose Christian and take that chance. But do you think guys like Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, all, like Tyree Kill, they could be the three of the top five picks and they could actually pass running backs down to the bottom end of the, the first round? Yeah, I mean, I definitely – you have your outliers, like you said, J.J., Jamar, those top wide receivers definitely coming out in the top five. But if you have you have those one backfields where it's just one guy like Christian McCaffrey, Derrick Henry, Josh Jacobs, Nick Chubb, like you're, you're going to have to take them if they're there on the board because running backs are, like you said, most of them are all committees. So – and then you have all these wide receivers taking passes – or taking catches and you got all these rookies coming up. So you're going to have to take running backs where you can get them. Yeah. And doc, and you said last year, you found some steals, you know, some like late round gems. I like I said, I found Kenneth Walker later in the draft. I know you did as well. You're in that ninth spot. I mean, speaking like me and you could talk for the back end of the first round, you don't tell me you're going to go who you're targeting. We don't want to know that, but would, are you more considerable thinking of wide receiver in that ninth spot or maybe, maybe a running back? Cause we, we can get a running back on the turn coming back in round two. Yeah, I mean, it all depends. Uh, like they, like, like the guys said, uh, it depends on the, the, you know, the, the, the wide receiver. There are a couple outliers: Tyree Kill, Justin Jefferson, both guys that absolutely. Jamar Chase again, also in there. But I mean, outside of that, I don't know if there's really one worth taking because you look at the numbers and what running backs get, especially you know, you if you take a receiver over a receiving running back like CMC number one or an Austin Eckler at number one, I mean, you're just out of your fucking mind. So, I mean, he's giving you the best of both worlds. So um, I think it's still going to be very heavily relied on the running back because even where we see some kind of multi-back committees, they're still putting up more points than what wide receivers are getting. And it's a lot more consistent on the running side of the ball than on the receiving side. And Luke, you have that first pick. So like, I know the strategy for you is you, you know you you know who you're going to draft. I mean, you ultimately have an idea who you're going to go, and you have to wait so long. And you can I say because nobody's going to get them before you. Yeah, no yeah. one's going <laughs> to get them before you. So we just know that. Oh, I know whoever you're going to pick won't be there. I know. Come on, Luke. Who are you well. taking? So Come on, that, Luke. Though, like, the strategy, though, is do, do you go running back? Somebody so, like, get hurt question, in training camp. You never know. But, but the question, though, is, is at, well, at, at, number yeah. one, <laughs> at number one, is it running back and then you fall two receivers after that? Or, like, what is the strategy at number one? I mean, I was there last year, so I mean, I know that feeling. Yeah, I mean, number one's like good and bad. So you get you get the probably the best player, but it's a huge risk taking that best player at number one because you don't know what's going to happen. I took Christian McCaffrey a few years ago, and he was hurt half the season. So, we'll and see. normally the number one running back the year after they fail. So that was Austin yeah. Eckler. So just don't draft so, him. But I got a round two. I'm. What twenty four or twenty three players have been taken off the board before I get a pick again? So do I take another running back and hope for the best at wide receiver, or do I just take one of the best wide receivers available? So it's, it's tough for that second pick for the. And running backs go down a lot more, and you see a lot more backup and get a lot more opportunity yeah. off the waiver wire. Or or do you get lucky like I did last year? I found Nick Chubb 
at the end of second the second round and i had a at aj brown as well so i mean you can get that that wide or that you know you'll at least get a wide receiver there but the question yeah, all, is when you get that second running back it's all about how the players fall on the board so we'll see Speaking of players, I don't know how these are considered players, but Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask, boys. I know, Luke, you're a big Baker believer. I honestly think he's not that good. I think he was that good in Cleveland. They got him a playoff win. It looks like we've seen the highlights in OTAs. They can't hit fucking water if they fell of a boat, man. They look like dog shit. Are they competing, Luke, for the worst quarterback in the NFL this year? Starting quarterback. So what you're seeing is these videos. They're taking the videos of the worst plays from these OTAs. I'm sure these guys are hitting receivers. They're just not showing it. I don't know. Maybe they're, maybe they're trying to make Tampa Bay look bad, and then they'll come out. Baker just light it up for Tampa Bay. So you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, Doc, I mean, I don't know if you've seen it, but, I mean, yeah, like Luke said, they're showing the bad videos. I mean, still, I mean, they're hitting them pretty off. I know the wide receiver looks like he slows down a couple times, but it's OTAs. You shouldn't be missing that bad. Even if you're going to miss, you can't miss that, that, like, oh, you're that inaccurate. That's pretty horrible. This is the point of OTAs, though. They're, they're starting to learn the system, learn the players. Baker's new in that system. Hey, give, give him some time. Wait wait till the preseason. I'm sure Baker's going to get a little playing time. Doc? Yep. yep. Sorry. Yeah, that, Sorry was pretty much, that was pretty much yeah. exactly what I was going to say. So, yep. <laughs> Chris, is this going to be the worst QB in the NFC South, though, the winner of this job? Fuck Baker Mayfield. I mean, I defended him hard when you were shitting on I him last too. year. When you were shitting on him last year, Mark, I was like, the Browns just wasn't him. He just didn't have the support. And then I was defending him. I was like, he's going to be hot shit in Carolina. And then he failed me. Fuck Baker. God, I'm so and fuck glad. Kyle Trask. Just glad I can hear that come out of someone's mouth. That I defended Baker for fucking years since he came into the league. I love the guy when he came into the league. And he is probably my worst prediction to this day ever that I've made for a guy to shit the bed so hard. Yeah, I'm not a Baker guy, boys. I just don't think he has what it takes. And speaking of what it takes, George Pickens believes he had what it takes to be a Pro Bowl wide receiver last year with his 50-something catches, 800 yards, four touchdowns, or something like that. Chris, did this man truly get snubbed? (laughs) Not at all. I mean, Tyler Huntley did go to the Pro Bowl, so, I mean, what is the Pro Bowl anymore? But he he did not – he didn't have the numbers. Is it really like – is this guy – is he so insecure about his ability that he only cares about a fucking Pro Bowl? That's his goal for 23 is to be a future Pro Bowler, not not a Super Bowl champion, a Pro Bowler. Doc, is that pretty weak? Uh, no, no. I mean, the Pro Bowl is what you play for. You know, we don't, we don't play for championships. We don't play for the playoffs. We play for Pro Bowls. And you better put some fucking respect on all fucking 52 catches and four touchdowns that he had, okay, because the guy was an absolute monster. He was a goddamn skyscraper out there pulling him down in the red zone, okay? So you better put some respect on it. And don't get me wrong. I think he's going to be a stud. I know, Luke, you had him last year in fantasy. I, I think he's got some great hands. He, I think the catch of the year last year on that primetime game. Luke, do you think it's such a big worry to be worried about Pro Bowls instead of the actual playoff wins? No, Pro Bowls are just a popularity contest over there. It's, just, it's a fan vote. Just who the fans fucking like. play. Now, I'm not saying Pickens was that good last year. Do put up a couple of highlight catches, but I, I had I drafted him in fantasy, ended up dropping him like three weeks later. Yeah, they don't even one catch a game. I don't even know why you hit. care so goddamn much when they don't even play football in the Pro Bowl. Yeah, it's, it's a dance off for Mac Jones in the end zone. <laughs> Popularity contest, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, and Snoop Huntley got I think he was what the seventh or eighth alternate. So right. like, I mean, obviously you have the quarterback. Dude's a dog. Yeah, I mean he oh. did he. 
he has played in the third amount of game or sorry, quarter amount of games with Lamar Jackson in the playoffs. So hey, maybe he'll be the playoffs this year. We don't know how, how long Lamar will last. So. Take Lamar number one. Yeah, I mean, he is the best running back in the NFL. So he is. Um he is. well actually is or is Justin. Exactly. Yeah, no, nah, yeah, Justin. Justin might be I don't know. We got receivers now. So do the Ravens. So yeah. um well, the, they, the, they got hey, they got like three quarters of a knee and then they got a rookie. So, so three quarters of an ACL. Three quarters of ACL. Excuse me. Bateman's back too. He's a former first round pick. He was. Oh so yeah, I like what him. I'm hearing I like is, him. is both QBs will be throwing for twelve thousand yards combined. Write that down. No, so each. We'll, we'll pencil each. that in. And then each. yeah, the the both win. Well, I mean, Lamar will win MVP. Justin will win Offensive Player of the Year. Give yep. the respect to the the old the aging or the older quarterback Lamar. So, it'll, it'll, Lamar's gonna, it's gonna be Justin Fields, uh, Lamar Jackson Super Bowl. Lamar, I'm it'll be it out now. Yep, it'll be You're a little. Here. It'll be a little asterisk year for MVP, just like UCF won the national championship in 2017. No, Lamar they, they and Justin will win MVP. That natty champs right there. Yep. Yeah, put some respect on that, and speak. Put some respect, yep. guys. I had a lot of respect for y'all tonight, dude. This was a great show. And I hope next week or this Thursday, I hope you're ready. We'll be doing our top 10 wide receivers. I'm telling you right now, I'm excited for this one. I think there's going to be a lot of differences here. I thought that running backs and quarterbacks are going to be similar, but I think receivers is going to be a big shakeup. I'm going to tell you right now, if you don't have Chase Claypool in your top 10, all of you are dead to me. <laughs> it's going to be tough if he's in there. I don't know. I mean, he's a second, he is worth a second or second round pick for uh, trade rights. So, hell, man, he might, he might be my number two wide receiver. 31 overall. Right, wasn't it thirty-one overall? It was our pick that we gave up. Yeah, you get the thirty-second. Well, thirty-one because Miami fucked up. Yeah, so really, like Pat and them says, it's technically a first-round pick because the first thirty-two picks normally are yeah first-rounders. But he would have been the thirty-three pick if if they didn't have that fuck up in Miami for trying to cheat the system. Hey, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. But boys, we don't have to cheat to be successful on this show. And Chris, glad to have you back in the sack house. Glad to hear you had a good Memorial Day weekend, my friend. Glad that you're not wearing that jacket during summer, too, man. It's cold. It's still cold in here. I regret it. <laughs> Luke. I got I got a blanket on right here. <laughs> Luke, I know you said you're, on, like, you're, you're a national guy now. I see you're rocking that Tennessee Titan blue. You might be trading that purple away for some blue, huh? No, not a chance. Hey, super pissed off that the uh, Ravens away game in Tennessee is actually going to be played in London. I was really hopeful I was going to go watch the Ravens play Tennessee Titans here in Nashville, but – Apparently they're going across the pond to play in London, so it's a big fucking fuck me. Just go to London. Always, you can always go. No, I can't just always go. I don't have a passport right now. It's just been expired for four years, so <laughs> I'm just too lazy to go get that shit updated. Yeah, no, that struggle. I know that yeah. struggle. And Doc, man, it's always good to have your personality in this the sack house, man. You bring a different type of game than we have, man, and something about you. Hey, you didn't have a drinking habit this weekend, so it's good to hear that you didn't have to be a drinker. This weekend, I mean, I know yeah, you did, no, I don't you think I reason. got. Yeah. I don't. But besides last night, I don't think I got like you... fucked up every night. No, last night was the reason we had to say Happy Memorial Day. You know, remember all the oh, balls, yeah. soldiers no, and shirts I mean, and all yeah, that stuff. Last so. night was different. Yeah, so good to hear you there. Good to see you guys alive. I know you guys all wanted to delay this episode till tonight. Bunch of alcoholics. I was ready to go, but I don't know. Hey. I don't know why the fuck you thought last night was a good idea, buddy. I saw that shit in the fucking morning and I was like, I'm not even going to entertain this right now because I know it's not <laughs> happening and I know I'm not going to be the only one. 
Well, Chris said Monday, Thursday has to be on time. So I was like, okay, so we're, we're going to do this tonight and we're definitely doing this Thursday. So I was ready to go. Everything and- is always a day late on a holiday. The trash. Yeah. The mail, like everything is a day late when there's a holiday, dude. The recording too, okay? We're on fucking trash schedule here. Yeah, and speaking of the holiday, we hope all you viewers and listeners out there had a safe, successful Memorial Day. Hopefully you had a good weekend, had some sun out there, some barbecue, some beers. But this is about to do it for this fantasy episode for running backs. And once again, my Miami Heat are in the finals once again. You're not going to hear this enough until this series is over. And God forbid we win this. You're going to fucking hear it until next year, until we're not the reigning champions anymore. Because like I said, Heat and 7, baby. Can't wait to cover that game after the game on Thursday. Actually, might be covering it during the show. But that is Chris Meinhart. That is Nick the Docs Kirkwins. That is Luke Rule. I am your host, Mark Davis. And we are always live from the sack house. And we are out. Thank you for checking out another episode of All About the Balls podcast. We want to thank all of our listeners and supporters of the Sack House. You can listen to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. And don't forget to subscribe and give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at the Sack House.